The Lord led me into a study some six years ago in an Old Testament story found in the book of Leviticus. It's not a book many people frequent. A lot of people like to skip the book of Leviticus when they're reading the Bible. But for the past several days, the story has been burning in my spirit and forced me to take another look at this passage. The book of Leviticus finds Israel, the children of Israel, in between their deliverance from the bondage of Egypt and the promise awaiting them in the land of Canaan. Leviticus means of the Levites. Levites were the priests of the Lord, and this book deals with how God desires to be worshipped and obeyed. It gives specific instructions concerning how they were to approach God in everything from their living to their giving, and especially in their worship. God had a plan of how he was to be reverenced by his people. We live in a culture today where we encourage people to worship as they see fit, or sometimes you will hear someone from the platform say, just worship God in your own way. Anybody ever heard that? Now, (laughs) as a result, we have fostered a worship experience with God that is more pleasant than powerful. It is more self-affirming than life-changing. And this is what landed the two sons of the high priest Aaron in a bunch of hot water. They had decided to worship how they chose, and they chose to forego how God said he wanted to be approached. They were ministers in the Lord carrying out priestly duties. Now, on Israel's journey through the wilderness... They had a tent of meeting where worship went forth to the Lord. Do you have that that slide for me? You'll find that out in the outer court, there was something called the brazen altar, the bronze altar, most likely made of brass. And this is where sacrifices were made to the Lord. And as you move from the outer court into the inner court, you will see something called the altar of incense. This altar was made of gold and acacia wood, furnishings that were fit for a king. And then, of course, you would have the most holy place or the holy of holies that only the high priest would enter. Now, this altar of incense stood by the lampstand, which gave light to an otherwise dark enclosure. And this incense was offered as a sweet aroma that was to rise up to God as a fragrant offering. And it also covered the stench of the daily sacrifices being offered to God. This particular incense was so holy and consecrated that God said, do not make any like it to use for perfume. If you do, you're out. It was important to God. Now, when the sacrifice was offered on the brazing altar, something powerful happened in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. The Bible tells us, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions that were laid on the altar. Then according to God's plan, in Leviticus 16 and 12, that tells us the high priest Aaron was to take a censer full of the burning coals, remember, 
they had been lit by the fire of God. And God says, take these burning coals to, and mix it with the fragrant incense and take it behind the curtain and place it on the altar of incense. This was the way it was ordered by the Lord to be done. Yet the two eldest sons of the high priest Aaron decided to do it their own way. Let's read what happened. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Now, what is a profane fire? Keep in mind, the context we're dealing with in modern day is in the context of how we approach God in worship and how we live before him obediently every day. One pastor said, if you're going to be attacked in any area in your life, it will be in your worship and in your obedience to God. Okay? It's interesting that the different versions of Scripture use different descriptive words concerning the fire, and each of them tell part of the story. In the New International Version, it calls it an unauthorized fire. And the way that translates for me is this. He's talking about ministry without spiritual authority. They simply shortcut the divine process and offered ministry in the house of the Lord without any divine directive or spiritual covering. They did it on their own. It was a ministry born of the will of man, and that which is born of the will of man can never glorify God. So many people today are caught up in doing ministry and they're out from under spiritual authority. They get an idea and they run with it without the counsel of their spiritual overseers. And that ministry somehow always brings attention to the individual doing the ministry. How many of you think that if Nadab... And, and Abihu had asked Aaron about this first, how many of you think that dad would have green-lighted this process? Uh-uh. Aaron knew better, but they didn't want to talk to someone who knew better. They just wanted to do what they wanted to do in the house of the Lord. The Bible says the Lord had not told them to do it. I see so many people in this hour who believe that they hear from God and they seek no spiritual counsel on their decisions. I told you you should have left after worship. And the result of their decision, let's just call it less than success. See, zeal without wisdom is a train wreck in the making. Maybe they wanted to appear like they were anointed. Maybe they wanted to feel like they were appointed by God to do this in the house. Maybe they just wanted somebody to recognize them. I don't know. What I do know is that I do not follow ministers or ministries that have no spiritual covering. And you shouldn't either. Hear me. 
If there's no spiritual authority to which a ministry must answer, don't partake in that ministry. Well, y'all still love the pastor? Just love the pastor's wife. That'll do it for me. We're okay with that. No. Neither do I encourage people to do anything for God without vetting the source and questioning the motives for ministry. Ministry out from under authority relies on manipulation. And that's exactly what the two sons of Aaron were doing. They were manipulating the process. Their act of doing ministry out from under the authority of their father, the high priest, was no more than blatant rebellion before the Lord. Now, the second version I want to look at, you're glad I'm off of that one, aren't you? Is the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. It calls it a strange fire. And the word strange means separated, distant from, or estranged. And it gives us the connotation of being disconnected from the divine. And that is, translated for me, worship tainted by personal preference. The two sons of Aaron had no regard for the structure of worship, and they chose to do it how it was pleasing and convenient to them. I can tell you, I see a lot of personal preference in worship in our day. I mean, there's a structure established by the spiritual authority of the house, but we tend to personalize the experience to our own liking. Let me point out a few things. Church may start on Sunday morning at 9.30, but if it's more convenient, I'll slip in after the third song and catch the word. Oh, that tithing and offering thing, that's not for me. I have worship that I offer tainted by my personal preferences. And when the final prayer is being given, I'll go ahead and slip out so I don't get caught in the traffic. Are y'all praying tonight? If they sing the songs I like, I'll raise my hands in worship. If the preacher doesn't preach anything I disagree with, I'll keep coming. So many people have today what I call Burger King religion. Have it your way. But here's the deal. Now they have changed their jingle to a guy that obviously sings off key if you've ever seen the commercials. Don't make me want a burger, I can tell you that. It makes me want to barf. But they end it with, you rule. How many churches have been so intimidated by people coming in that in order to keep them, their worship is now, you rule. Have it your way. That's the tail wagging the dog. That's people who are behind leading those who are ahead. There is no real worship 
when it is tainted by personal preferences. Worship, listen to this, this is going to shock you. Worship was not established for my pleasure or my encouragement. I don't know how many people say, man, we get singing, I just feel so good. It just warms my heart. Well, I'm glad. Being in the presence ought to do somebody some good. But God did not establish worship for the pleasure of the worshipers. He established worship for his glory and for his good pleasure. Think about it. The altar today has become a place where we come and receive. And I'm glad that we can come forward and pray with one another. But we must remember the original intent of the altar of God was not where we came and received, but it's where we came to give our praise and our worship to God. How long has it been since a church service has been interrupted by somebody who couldn't contain their praise and they had to come to the altar and get on their face and raise their hands before God and give him praise and give him glory? The Bible says they took their containers and they put fire in it. Worship tainted by personal preference is us putting the fire in and then the fire of God is non-existent among us. And it creates an experience that is pleasant but not powerful. And we encounter an emotional lift and not a spiritual transformation. We come to the house of worship to get picked up. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I don't come to church to be lifted up. I know I'm up front, and I know I'm in the spotlight almost every time we're here, but I don't come to be lifted up. I don't even come any longer to be encouraged. I come to lift up the name of Jesus and worship and glorify him because he is the one who draws all men to him. The King, New King James Version uses the word a profane fire. And to me, that translates into us treating the consecrated with contempt. It's when we treat the sacred like the secular or try to pass off the secular as the sacred. It's when worship is a concert and the sermon is a TED talk. Are you hearing me? We try to pass off what we conjure up. We try to put the fire in it. And as a result, there's no real fire. It's, it is thumbing our nose at divine order, thinking we know better how to do this. And it's like hanging, listen to me now, it's like hanging your finger painting in Rembrandt's gallery. Did you get that? It's like hanging your finger painting, painting, in Rembrandt's gallery, our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. 
in our church services that are driven by self and conjured up among the wisdom of man is no more than a profane fire being offered to God. Now, what does it actually look like to have a profane fire in the house of God? First of all, it is when we offer service not born out of divine purpose. They brought their plans into God's purpose. Guess what? It didn't work then, and it don't work now. They did ministry void of divine influence and filled with personal pride. If we serve to be seen, it is a profane fire we offer to the Lord. If we give just to get the glory, if we minister just to get the majesty, we need to put out the fire of selfish service. You hear me? We need to stamp out the fire of selfish service. Service that only brings attention to us. Service that's only what we want to offer to the Lord, not what he's called us to offer to the Lord. I could use an amen from a, fam a friendly face. What does a profane fire look like? It's when we offer worship, not bathed in sacrifice. As I mentioned, the fire brought from the altar of the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, was brought to the altar of incense. Now listen, those coals vaporized the incense, lifting it before the Lord as a sweet-smelling savor. But how often do we bypass the brazen altar and go straight to the altar of incense? Hear me. We come to the sanctuary and offer worship but there's been no sacrifice and surrender in our daily walk with Jesus. God is not interested, listen to me, in cheap offerings of shallow worship. He's not interested in a fake surrender where we give him lip service, hallelujah, 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 and then we live however we want all week long. You can't get to the altar of incense and offer an acceptable praise until you've been to the altar of surrender. Yeah. Romans 12 says, Brothers, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romans goes on to say, and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know and discern the perfect will of God. Mm. <laughs> A life where we crucify the desires of our flesh and we submit to the grace of God in the process of holiness is the kind of life that goes to the brazen altar and then to the altar of incense. But too many times, you ever, 
I hear so many people say, man, we almost worship today. We almost got there today, Pastor. You know what I want to tell them? You'll never get there as long as you're bypassing the altar of self-denial. As long as you're bypassing the altar where you got to surrender things to God. But I tell you what, God will receive the worship of a person who's dying daily. He will receive the worship of a person who is choosing to crucify their flesh so that their spirit may live. And when they come into the altar of incense, God receives the worship of the heart that is contrite and broken before him. I believe God wants to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. What does a profane fire look like when we minister without anointing? Oh, you thought it was going to get better. No, it's just going to get worse for a few minutes. Just is. A couple of references to put things in order. In the Old Testament, there was a man, a prophet by the name of Elijah. He faced down 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah at a place called Mount Carmel. But he didn't go about telling people it was going to return to rain in the kingdom until the fire first fell. If you look in the New Testament, in the book of Acts chapter 2, now if you go ahead to the last part of Acts chapter 2, you'll see the church ministering. But they didn't minister in the back half of Acts chapter 2 until the fire fell in the first, back, or first part of Acts chapter 2. Too many times we conjure up our services and we minister trying to bring the fire. And it ends up being spiritual manipulation. We look for the right song. We look for the catchphrase. We pull out the right scripture that we think will light people up. Oh, this is going to get them good. And you know what? That is no more than carnal manipulation of man, and it has no place in the house of the Lord. But you know what does have a place? Those who don't minister to bring the fire, but those who minister because they've experienced the fire. Come on, somebody. I believe we've got to first experience the fire of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives and then minister from the fervency and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. One reason the ministry like such anointing today goes back to the altar of sacrifice. There's no daily sacrifice. So when we gather together, the fire of God has not first consumed us. And then we default to the effectiveness of our giftedness rather than the impact of the anointing. You know what? Nobody gets free. The Bible did not say that my gifts would break the yoke. The Bible did not say that my gifts would set the captive free. The Bible didn't say how well I sang or how well I preached would have any spiritual, eternal effect in anybody's life. But the Bible does say the anointing 
will destroy the yoke. That's why Jesus got up in the temple and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and I've come to preach liberty to those who are captive. I've come to set free the prisoners. I've come to open blinded eyes. I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Why? Because it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Then he closed the book and said, this day has this scripture been fulfilled in your hearing. I'm looking to come to church where we can say once again, this day has this scripture been fulfilled that the anointing has come and yokes have been destroyed and chains have been broken and lives have been saved and bodies have been healed and marriages have been restored. That only happens with the fire of God's anointing. Now, you guys ready to go home? Me neither. I don't get to preach a long time on Sundays. Well, I do. I get to preach two hours in four parts. I'm going to go for one tonight and see how it goes. What causes a profane fire? First of all, a culture of familiarity, of which they would make that word easier to say for people like me. These were the sons of Aaron. Their daddy was the high priest. Their, their uncle was Moses. They were raised in it. Their daddy was a Levite, which was a priest. Their mama was a, from the tribe of Judah, which were the worshipers. So uncle was the spiritual overseer of the, all the people of God. Daddy was a preacher, and mama was a worship leader. And they got so exposed to it that it became familiar to them. The consecrated became the common. In America today, we have so many opportunities to be exposed to the presence of the Lord. There are some 55 churches in a five-square-mile radius right here in the Donaldson area alone. That's something, isn't it? And too often, church becomes routine. It's like watching a rerun on television. I, I have to admit, I don't watch all the junk that's out there today. But I watch shows from 20, 30 years ago, and I can say the dialogue with them. And sometimes it feels that way when you come to church. Hear me. It becomes routine, mundane, and eventually it loses its impact in our lives. But I come here tonight to remind you who we have gathered to worship in this place. We have come to worship Yahweh, the living God of glory. We have come to worship his one and only son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we should never take his presence for granted, but we should always honor him and glorify him in his house. Hallelujah. We can never treat him as less than who he is. The second thing that I believe has brought a profane fire in modern day is a culture of intoxication. I can't believe this is in the text. But there are many theologians who believe the reason Nadab and Abihu offered this fire in an improper way is because they were drunk. They arrive at this conclusion 
Based on this passage, God gave specific instructions to Aaron, their father. Let's read verse 9. Drink no wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Listen, I'll be brief but blunt on this one. Too many of God's people are getting hammered. Too many of God's people are turning to alcohol to calm their nerves, to chill them out, and they are denying the work of the Holy Spirit who is the peace giver. I want to remind you, the scripture says, be you not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. And I tell you something, you will never find in the bottle what you can find in the Spirit. I want you to remember something. Alcohol is a crutch. The Holy Spirit is the power to walk upright. Anybody ever used alcohol as a crutch? There are people who have leaned on it, and they fell leaning on it. But when they met Jesus, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of their life, they could walk upright. You don't need a crutch when you've got the power of the Spirit to walk upright. You just don't. Are you saying, Pastor, I should never touch alcohol? Well, there's a bunch of us that should never do it. And I'm one of them. Because I'm pretty obsessive. And it's a good thing God gave me a distaste for it. He protected me. Some of you didn't get that gift. I understand. But let me remind you, anything that takes the place of the Holy Spirit in your life, anything, doesn't matter what it is, and if, and if we're not intoxicated by chemicals, some of us are intoxicated by culture. And we come into the house of God with our minds foggy from the perpetuation and the continual cycle of lies that we listen to every day. And we have let the world view shape our biblical view. And we fall out with the preacher when he preaches the word because it's confronting the lie. Now, y'all let Pastor Eric get by with some of this. You ought to be kind to me too. We get intoxicated with doctrines of devils and a cultural movement of wokeism. And let me tell you, the wokeism movement in America is not a ground roots movement. It is coming from the top down. The powers behind the scene are doing everything they can to push wokeism into the culture because the more wokeism comes in, God moves out. And that's the whole plan. They want to take away everything that gives you hope and gives you strength. And we turn it on in our homes and we say, come on in. And we come in intoxicated, if not by chemicals, by culture. It's time we come before the Lord with a sanctified mind, with a sober, alert mind, and a receptive heart. The third thing that I believe leads to a profane fire 
is the culture of irreverence. Look at what God said in verse 3 of chapter 10. The Bible says, Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. We are living in a culture where God is no longer honored and he is openly mocked. <laughs> people in the culture are driving this movement and the church is starting to bow like we're in Babylon. And if it's not an all-out assault on his existence, it's a simply a casual attitude that we develop towards him that no longer honors him as our all in all. And it's developing among many. But God says, when you approach me, I love you, but remember I'm holy. When you come to me, I'm your father, but I'm also your God. When you come to me, I'm your deliverer, but I'm also the one you answer to. Come on, somebody. When you come to me, know that I'm a God of mercy. But if you reject me, you will one day stand before the God of judgment. This is serious business we're dealing with, and it's time for the church to quit playing church and start being the church and start honoring God the way God deserves to be honored. I'm trying to hurry. That may not be entirely true. What are the results of a profane fire? Number one, extreme judgment. The Bible says in verse 2, So the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. The fire that could have brought them life brought them death. The holiness of God was mocked, and the judgment of God was swift and severe. Moses said, don't y'all be ripping your clothes up. That's something people did when they were in mourning. Moses said, what they've done is so profane, don't mourn these people. Think about that. In other words, don't associate with them even in mourning and incur the same judgment. Secondly, the second thing that comes is spiritual contamination. The Bible tells us that Moses told them, come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. Moses said, get their bodies out of the camp and don't touch them so that you're not contaminated. That's pretty strong. Y'all ready for the next one? And this is the one that breaks my heart the most. Generational sterility. Abihu died childless. And this is one of the greatest catastrophes I see in the church today. When we treat the consecrated as the common, when church becomes optional, when we take a self-centered, casual approach to God, we abort the next generation. We take a lackadaisical, convenient approach to worship God and obey Him daily, and then we wonder where our children are. 
Because we made church optional, God is now optional to them. But I've got news for you. This is one church that is not going to abort the next generation. This is one house. Did you hear me? This is one house where the priests of the Lord are going to stay consecrated before the Lord. This is one house where the priests of the Lord are not going to get drunk and do their own thing. This is one house where we're going to honor God. We're going to glorify God. We're going to serve God. We're going to love God. And our children are going to grow to know God as well. Hallelujah. Now, I can tell you exactly how some of you feel right now. Who is this preacher? And why is he so mad? And why should I even try? And the devil will whisper in your ear, rather than consecrate your life, just drop your incense. Rather than pay the price daily, well, I don't measure up. I don't even need to come to church. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Listen to me now. Where there's profane fire, there's no room for real fire. But where there is real fire, there is no room for profane fire. Fire symbolized different things in the Bible. Sometimes it symbolized judgment when fire would be rained down from heaven. But in this particular case, fire was the awareness of the presence of the Lord. It was a sign that God was with them. And we know the presence of the Almighty God today is in the person of the Holy Spirit with us. And we need the real, genuine presence of God in the house. We need the real anointing of God in the house. We need the real power of God operating in the house. And when we forsake the pleasant for the powerful, the convenient for the committed, the unauthorized for the anointed, everything changes. When we crawl on the altar of sacrifice and say, Lord, I surrender my life. When we surrender all and then we worship. When we submit to the will of God, we can offer a worship that is a sweet-smelling savor before Him. Are you ready for real fire? Are you ready to come to church and worship and God say, you have reached my heart. I have felt And as I have felt your praise, I've blessed you with my presence. I'm just going to admit something to you so then the rest of you go home feeling worse than I. I admit to sometimes not surrendering all. I admit to sometimes not giving my best. And you know what I tell the team? God is not obligated to anoint less than your best. 
Why would he put his stamp of approval? Why would we put his convincing power on something that is less than what he blessed you with? But I, for one, am grateful for the mercies of the Lord. I asked my wife on the way here, I say, why do you think that people don't drop dead like Nahab and Abihu today? Because there's a lot of profane fire in the house of God. Some of it's in the pews and some of it's in the pulpit. And I said, I've got an answer, but I want to hear your perspective. She said, because of Jesus. <laughs> She's smarter than I thought she was. I thought she was an A-plus student. If there's something above A-plus, she now gets it. Because Jesus went to the cross and died so the mercies of the Lord would be available to us. And I never have to offer a profane fire again. But I can live by his mercies every day. And I can surrender to his grace every day. I can submit my, my life to his authority. And when I come to offer him my offering of worship, he doesn't say, well, before you worship me, you need to repent. Why? Because I've been praying every day, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Every night I pray for grace and forgiveness and I verbalize, I willingly forgive all others. Every single day of my life. Man, if we can get there to where none of that stuff hinders us, can you imagine what it's like to have real fire in the house of God? I, I, I'm tired of the fake stuff. I'm tired of the manipulating ministries. I'm tired of people trying to conjure up something when we get here. I want to bring it with me. How about you? I said, I want to bring it with me. How about you? Is there anybody in this place that feels the fire of God in your spirit tonight? Is there anybody in this place that feels the presence of God all over you? If you do, stand to your feet and give the God of all glory praise. Give him glory in the house. Give him worship in the house. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. You need to know something. You're in a house that believes in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit operating in the house. Just so you know, if you don't know that, you now know that. And I believe he wants to work in this room tonight. Is there anybody that just feels like you just need to come down to the altar and surrender everything and lay your life down before the Lord so that you can lift up hands that are not tethered from a heart that is not bound, from lips that are washed clean, from a heart that's been cleansed? Is there anybody that wants to come down and say, Lord, I lay it all down to you tonight. Lord, I repent of offering you less than all of me. I want to give you everything. Is there anybody? This altar is open right now. Pastor Travis said, Pastor, do you want prayers? I said, no, I think we're all going to have to go to the altor tonight. I'll just be honest with you. 
I believe God wants to move in this place, not just tonight, but in an ongoing manner. And if there's anybody that wants to see the real fire of God, I want you just to bring your life down and lay it down before the Lord tonight. Find you a place to pray somewhere. It doesn't matter where, even if it's at your seat. But get along with God. Surrender everything to God and let God fill you with a genuine presence of the Holy Spirit.